Well, today we're going to uh, talk about a man by the name of Nicodemus who had a very good religious resume. And uh, the title I gave it was this, When Jesus Comes, Everything Changes. It's the story of Nicodemus. Now we are in the season of Lent, marching toward uh, Resurrection Day, which is Easter, of course. And along the way, we have to hear what Jesus says to Nicodemus. And uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. If you know anything about the Pharisees, you know that they were one of the prominent, one of the two prominent religious groups of that first century. The other group, the Sadducees, now here's the difference. The Pharisees were not, typically not very wealthy. The Sadducees were the wealthy. They were the higher class, whatever that means. And they were the one, the Sadducees held political office. They were liberal theologically and politically. But the Pharisees, we tend to think about the Pharisees being uh, someone that they're not very good because Jesus bumped into the Pharisees repeatedly. And we think, but actually, in that day, to the common Jew at that time, the Pharisees were respected because they were thought to be moral and honest, even though some of them weren't. So these really are not the bad guys. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He had a good religious resume, unlike the Sadducees. In addition to Nicodemus being a Pharisee, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. There are 70 select people that were kind of like the Supreme Court mixed with the Congress in the way we think because the Sanhedrin set the rules, they kept the rules, and they were ones who kind of ruled at that time in the religious world. Now, typically, the Pharisees would engage Jesus in the daytime, and it was not always very nice. It was acrimonious. In fact, Jesus and the Pharisees bumped again and again. But here in John, we have the story of Nicodemus, a Pharisee, who was a member of the... Yeah, I've already said that. He came to Jesus at night in the cover of night because he didn't want his his pharisaical, his Pharisee friends to know that he came to Jesus. And so look at what Nicodemus says. He, so, he said, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God. Ooh, okay, that's impressive. Why? Because no one could, form, could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Now, this is a compliment. It's flattery at its best. And Jesus made a startling response. Jesus didn't say, oh, that's so nice of you, Nicodemus, I thank you, or whatever. Jesus, instead of responding to what Nicodemus said, Jesus, knowing that Nicodemus needed to hear something, that Jesus needed to say, said something that was startling. Now, Nicodemus probably, in his mind, thought, I'm a good Pharisee, I have a lot of good things that I do, I, people like me, and I probably i am on my way to heaven. But <laughs> Nicodemus was wrong. 
Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus replied this way. He said, very truly, Nick, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. What? Now, right here is the heart of the Christian faith versus man-made religions. Man-made religions, whatever they are, whatever, you know, Islam, Hindu, Buddhist, Taoism, whatever, and there are many of them. At the core of a man-made religion is the thought that you get into heaven because you're a good person and you have good works. But, you know, if you're just a good old guy and you help people or whatever, that gets you into heaven, right? No. Jesus tells us something very different. It's the new birth. It's the born-again experience. Paul talks about it this way. Listen to what Paul says when he talks to the, the church members at Ephesus. He talks to these church members who have been changed, and he says, now, this is the way you were. As you, as you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom, that's Satan, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He said, now, that's the way we all were. All of us were like that at one time. We lived among, we were gratifying the cravings of the flesh, following its desires and thoughts. And so we were really due for wrath. (laughs) But then Paul turns the page. Listen to this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive from death to being alive. With Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you have been saved. So right here, we, un- we hear Paul saying, now, we have been dead in sins, but God makes us alive. Do you hear the resuscitation? We're dead, but now we're alive. What a difference that makes. And that's the born-again experience that Jesus is trying to talk to Nicodemus about. Well, Nicodemus rightfully asked the question, and it's not a bad question. He said, well, now, Jesus, how can someone be born when they are old? They cannot enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born again, right? No, okay. And so Jesus says this, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water. Now, you need to understand, in the Old Testament customs, there were times that you had water purifications, water cleansings, water baptism. And Jesus is saying that we probably don't understand. You cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you have been born of water. That refers to the ritualistic practices and the spirit. What Jesus is saying is that there needs to be a different spirit that comes into your life. It has to be the spirit of God. You have to have the Holy Spirit change your heart. And then Jesus continues. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, 
Now, we can understand that physically. A baby is conceived, a baby is born. That's flesh gives birth to flesh. That's physical. But there's also a spiritual dimension to flesh giving birth to flesh. Did you know that the Bible says that we're all born with a proclivity to sin? That's just, it's, it's the natural person. We're just going to sin. Yeah, and we've all sinned. I've sinned. We all have. I know you have because I have too. And I'm not proud of that, right? But Jesus says, the flesh gives birth to flesh without the change of heart. That's a spiritual meaning. But listen, the spirit gives birth Let's, let's, gives birth to the Spirit. In other words, God gives to us His Spirit, and it changes us. Well, we cannot birth ourselves physically, nor can we birth ourselves spiritually. We need God to change us. And Jesus goes on, and I don't have a slide for this. I don't know why I didn't make one. He says to Nicodemus, now, Nicodemus, Nick, you shouldn't be surprised about my saying you must be born again because you need to understand that there's a whole different thought to being born physically versus being born spiritually. And we cannot birth ourselves physically. We cannot birth ourselves spiritually. We need God to change our heart. So the fundamental requirement for being a member of the kingdom of God is nothing less than a spiritual rebirth. Paul says it this way. Now, let's just repeat what we've already said. He said, you were once dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live and when you followed. And Paul talks about this change from being dead spiritually to being changed to being alive spiritually. If we have not been born again by the Spirit, we are dead, 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 dead spiritually. And we are in desperate need to be spiritually made alive, resuscitated. Without spiritual rebirth, we are dead men and women walking. <laughs> So let's just repeat now kind of what we've already said. The requirement to get into heaven is not good deeds, even keeping the commandments, do not kill, do not commit adultery, or whatever. The requirement to get into heaven is what? Be born again of the Spirit. Now, Nicodemus was an extremely religious man. He was a Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a good student, and he probably had a lot of good works. But Jesus is saying, Nick, I see through your heart, and what you need to know is that you need to be born again. Religion alone, good deeds alone will not get you into heaven. Then Jesus talks about the fact that the wind blows, and who causes the wind? Well, God causes the wind. And he's saying, just as you see the wind blowing, then spiritually only God 
can change your life and turn you around. Only God can help us become what he wants us to be. Now, let me ask you a question. We know that Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he didn't want his friends to see him. But I want to ask this question. Do you think there's more to Nicodemus coming and asking this question? Could it be, and I think it is because the rest of the story kind of proves this, that Nicodemus, with all of his good works and all the good things that he did, felt a hunger in his heart that wasn't being fulfilled by his ritualism, keeping the law. Could it be that he was hungering for something more? And he said, you know, he was saying, Jesus? And he was complimenting Jesus, but Jesus went right to the point. You need to be born again. (laughs) Last Sunday when Sunday school there was a quote by Jim Edlin. We kind of know him. But anyway, woo-hoo. this is what he said. We do not always recognize why our hearts feel so empty or what we are actually seeking. We don't always know that. We often think our search is for happiness. You know, just be happy. That's all that counts, right? No. <laughs> our significance, our security Uh, the scripture talks about the lust of the flesh, sinful cravings, the lust of the eyes, that's like I want more money, I want more things, and the pride of life is look at me, look who I am. we, We don't always recognize, we often think that we're looking for happiness, significance, security, something else. But listen to this, this is the important line. The truth is our deepest longing is for God. We were created this way by our Creator. Scripture says that God has set eternity in our hearts. And do we not hunger for something more than what the world alone has to offer? Yes, we do. It's a natural, it's the way God created us. Now, It's my contention, and I think the rest of the story, and I'll give you the rest of the story, bears this out, that Nicodemus was a changed man. And so that's back to my theme. When Jesus comes, what happens? Everything changes. (laughs) I love this. I just love this. I used to preach a sermon kind of with that thought. When Jesus comes, everything changes. When he changes our heart. Now, to prove that Nicodemus was changed, let's follow with the rest of the story. The chief priest sent the temple guards out to capture Jesus and bring him in so they could crucify him. And eventually they did that, of course. But the temple guards went out, and they faced Jesus. And um, what happened? They came back, and, they, and the, the temple, the chief priest said, oh, where's Jesus? And they said, uh, well, we didn't get him. Well, why? No one ever spoke the way this man does. Well, so the temple guards could not bring 
Jesus in as they were supposed to. And so the chiefs go, you, you sissies. <laughs> I don't know what they said. <laughs> what? You couldn't take this? They said, ah, we couldn't. He was different. And so in this little confrontation, the um, chief priests are razzing the temple guards and Nicodemus sin. And look what Nicodemus said. This is pretty bold. It proves he's had a changed heart. He said, Nicodemus, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he has been doing? And so they turned, the chief priest turned on Nicodemus. They said, uh, well, no one ever spake. They, they said, Nicodemus, you got to be kidding. Are you really one of his followers? And then they said, after all, Nick, no prophet comes out of Galilee what Jesus did. And that allegation was wrong. But so here Nicodemus stands up. He's brave. And he risks himself. He makes himself vulnerable that now this is, I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, the story does not end there. I'm telling you the rest of the story like Paul Harvey used to. Jesus goes to the cross. And there he is sentenced to die in the most cruel way ever known to man on a cross. And there Jesus takes on the punishment for our sins. His very lifeblood is shed so that our sins can be washed away. And this is what Paul said. Paul says, God made him who had no sin. He had no sin. He was the one perfect man. He was the son of God. He had no sin to be sin for us. Jesus took on all of the sin of the world. I tell you, evil is on display on the other side of the world right now. Doesn't it break your heart? Evil is on display through a madman who has nothing in mind but devilish thoughts. He's a madman. Jesus took on the sins of all of this world. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. Why? So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In the Old Testament, there were practices where you would take a perfect lamb or an animal and sacrifice them in an Old Testament way for the sins of those who sacrificed. And that was a foreshadowing of this sacrificial lamb who shed his blood. Without the remission, uh, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Scripture. I want to tell you, (laughs) the fact that Jesus took the penalty of our sin and cleanses us from sin, washes us and forgives us, is the greatest 
story ever told to a spiritually dead world. Yes, it's a great story. Thank you. Thank you, Bonnie. Uh, Candy Christmas sings a song, and I, uh, I love to hear her sing it. Hear the words. Jesus saves, he still does. He'll make of you someone new. Cleanse the sin that was. You get it? He washes that sin away. The Holy Spirit whispers, No more must you be enslaved. Just believe it. Jesus saves. Oh, wow. To a dying world, the greatest thing that we can say is, Take a look at Calvary. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. He still does. We have heard the joyful sound. Spread the tidings all around. Jesus saves. He still does. Now, the rest of the story, we're talking about Nicodemus, who now hears that, Nick, it's not just a matter of keeping these ritualistic practices. You need to be born again of the Spirit. And the way, the way we know for sure that Nicodemus was changed that night was when Jesus was taken down from the cross. There were two men who took the body down. Joseph, Joseph the wealthy man of Arimathea, and another guy, the convert, Nicodemus. Nicodemus! John 19 brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, just enough to do the job of taking the body, the body of Jesus. And the two of them wrapped it with those spices, as was the practice of that time, in strips of linen. I contend that Nicodemus was changed. And when Jesus comes, everything changes. 